I know I'm feeling pretty tired right now. My prayer this morning, as I was sitting in my office going over my message and stuff, my prayer this morning was, Lord, get me out of the way and you move. That's about it. I wanted to begin this morning, uh, continue on with the, my message just entitled Only Jesus there. And I've got a couple passages. I really should have added another passage there, and I didn't think about it till I was going over it on um, last night. But the John chapter 14, 1 through 7 should have probably been added onto that because I use that quite a bit in this message here. But I wanted to begin this morning by just telling you how much music inspires me. I love music. I like many genres of music. I will tell you that I do not like rap music very much. Um, it gives me a headache. It makes me want to wrap my head against the wall. Um, but I do like most of them. But I personally, this is my opinion, my opinion only, I think that some of the best music around has come from the 70s and 80s. I don't know how many of you would agree with that or not. You know, I love Leonard Skinner, uh, Boston, Journey, Sticks, Foreigner, Chicago, Bad Company, and, and I'm I'm a softie for the 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 group called Bread. Anybody know anybody know any of the songs from Bread? Whenever a Bread, whenever Karen Carpenter comes on the radio, we just have to, everything time stops. Got to listen to Karen Carpenter. I love Karen Carpenter, but but when Bread comes on. Just got to stop. Got to listen to them. That's how much I like them. But as a teen, I was introduced to Christian music. Yes, Christian music's been around that long. Um, in my early days, it was Larry Norman, Keith Green. Anybody here, Keith Green? That's getting back there. Um, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith. I got to hug Amy Grant one time. I, I got to, to pet her hair. I guess that you caught that. <laughs> Well, she had this, she had the, this big thing of hair, you know, and it was, it was just almost impossible to, to not, you know, touch it as you're hugging her, you know, but, but probably for me, my favorite all time, including rock music, Christian music, whatever genre you want to talk about, my favorite musician of all times is probably Stephen Curtis Chapman. I used to listen to his music, and it would inspire me so much. Um, I wrote several uh, camp themes and um, by his by his songs and lessons. I wrote many lessons from his, the songs that inspired me. Um, when I was president of the Pennsylvania Christian Teen Convention back in 1996, I used one of Stephen Curtis Chapman's songs, "Dancing with the Dinosaurs," as my theme for that for that weekend. We had Rebecca St. James, who is the sister to um, the J Joel and Luke from for King and Country. Um, I met them when they were little tykes, you know, so I got to spend time with them. Um, in camp, I used uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, The Great Adventure, Heaven in the Real World, Dancing with the Dinosaurs. You know, I used uh, DC Talks, Love is a Verb, and we wrote many themes on based on those songs. But in recent years, one of the groups that has stood out to me more than any other group, other, you know, and it was, it was actually a group that Stephen Curtis Chapman discovered is the group Casting Crowns. You know, they, they never cease to amaze me 
with the lyrics that they, that they share in their music. I mean, it just really speaks volumes to me. And so, you know, those are the kinds of you know, things that I like to listen to. And as I was considering what I would share with you today, you know, a couple of the scriptures came to my mind. Um, the first one I want to share with you is this. It's from Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. And I'm going to read it off of the monitor here. It says, it says after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and, uh, and the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. It goes on to say, His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the, as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up these three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell down, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. That's who they saw. And then over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, it says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, I would love to be known and criticized for using Jesus' name too much in a message. I would love for that. Because, you know, there are some churches you go to, the name of Jesus is never mentioned. And I tell you what, it's only by Jesus, only Jesus, that we will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, and so I've entitled my message this morning, Only Jesus. And that's a good message, isn't it? Only Jesus. You know, a couple of thoughts came to my mind as I, as I sat down and I was thinking about these scriptures. The first one that came to my mind, this thought was, from the Hebrews 12, 2 passage that, that tells us, let us fix our eyes. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, I don't know what that looks like as far as fixing your eyes, but I know that when you're playing baseball or softball, you got to fix your eyes. You got to be ready for that ball coming across that plate because it's going to be coming across that plate pretty fast, isn't it? And so you got to fix your eyes on something there. You know, the second thought that came to my mind uh, was was what Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul tells us in, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. You know, and as I was contemplating these two scriptures, immediately that song by Casting Crowns, only Jesus came to my mind and it led me to ask these questions of myself. And so I'm going to ask the questions of you today the questions I've asked of myself. Number one is this. The first question is, what does it mean to leave a legacy? And the second question is kind of the same, is how do you want to be remembered? Those are two really important questions for us to answer. 
You know, what, what does it mean to leave a legacy? And how do you want to be remembered? Because the way you're living your life is how people are going to remember you. It was back in September, October of 2018. My wife and I had had one of those days that stands out as a very hectic day. For you see, um, I was asked to go and preach for Gary DeSanto up in Scranton, Wilkes-Barre area. So I went up to preach and Sarah was with me. And then Sarah and I, after we were done preaching and everything, and we, we left Scranton and Wilkesboro, we headed to Harrisburg because we wanted to attend a memorial service for a, a lady by the name of Gail Hamilton. I don't know if you know the Hamiltons or not, but Don and Gail Hamilton, we wanted to go and visit with them or, or be at her memorial service and visit with Don and her, his, his daughters. Don and Gail had been at Capital Area, which is now called a vibrant, a Christian church up in Harrisburg area, off of the Enola exit there. And he had been there for 35 years, and unfortunately, Gail was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in 2016, and in 2018, she succumbed to that, that pancreatic cancer. And so Sarah and I went to that. The service ended up lasting for over three hours What a, but what a great tribute to Gail's life and her legacy. And, you know, I, I guess for myself, you know, I, three hours is a long time, but it sure didn't feel like it. It sure didn't. All three daughters and, and Don had the opportunity to either speak or sing. And I'm going to share with you two that, that really stuck out to me. Um, one was what Don had to say about his wife, and the other one was about um, Andrea. But Don, first of all, Don said this. He said that Gail passed away on his birthday. It was his birthday the day she passed away. And he felt it was a blessing to be able to remember his beautiful bride on each birthday that he had left. I thought that was pretty interesting. and What a great tribute. Then he spoke about the one quality that stood out above all the rest of Gail's qualities. He said that Gail was a totally committed and sold-out follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Christ was her all in all. Don said that she lived a life for Christ and people were attracted to Jesus because of her demeanor that said, it's all about Jesus. She continually prayed that Jesus would be glorified through her illness, and he was. I really liked what Andrea had to say. Andrea was one of Gail's daughters, and, and um, this is what she had to say about her mother. And I thought that this was pretty interesting. She said that mom lived, mom lived to leave a, a legacy of Christ, Gail had started and was very deeply involved in a mission to Southeast India called Gail's Girls. This ministry was about getting girls off the street and away from human trafficking by giving them a place to stay and helping them with a skill so that they could have a new livelihood. Gail was a nurse and had become a physician's assistant. So on one of the trips to India... They were teaching the girls about personal hygiene and the spreading of germs and how easy it is to do that. 
And so using tons and tons of glitter, Gail loved glitter. She absolutely loved glitter. Gail and her, her group got lots of glitter on their hands and they went around the room with several of the leaders and they began to shake hands. And then they encouraged those leaders to shake hands with the young ladies that were in the room. By the time it was all said and done, everyone had glitter all over their hands. And you know how glitter is. When you get glitter on something, it's everywhere. But that's what happened. All these, it was, it was on everyone's hands. Gobs and gobs of glitter everywhere. And the, the illustration was to show how quickly germs can spread. What a great idea to be able to share that how quickly germs can spread. But the spiritual message that Gail was trying to leave with these young ladies is this. This is how each of us can impact others with the love of Jesus Christ. What a great thought. What a great thought. You touch a few lives, then they touch a few, until everyone has been touched by Jesus. Only Jesus. Leaving gobs and gobs of the love of Jesus everywhere you go. You know people like that? I do. Andrea went on to say that her mom was a picture of Jesus to us. She said Jesus changed and shaped her to become who she was even when life was hard. And because mom was a picture of who Jesus is, Andrew went on to say, it made me want to know and to become like Jesus. So you see how important our example can be. You want to leave a legacy that matters? Then live a, a, a life of purpose. Live in such a way that when people remember you, they remember Jesus and how you changed the world for Jesus. Leaving behind gobs and gobs of glitter. Better yet, gobs and gobs of the love of Jesus everywhere you go. You know, in, in leaving a legacy, folks, apart from the enabling and indwelling power of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling presence of Jesus Christ, there is nothing that I can do in leaving a legacy. It has to be, it just has to be Christ in me who is the hope of glory. And that, that's, that's who it should be for all of us. Christ in us, the hope of our glory. Only Jesus. I know you've heard this story before. It's called One Solitary Life. Let me read it to you. It says, here's a man who was born in an obscure village, the, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in, a, in another obscure village he, he, where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerary preacher he, he never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or, or owned a home. He never stepped foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles, 200 miles from the place he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through this mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. He was, and while he was dying, 
his executioners were gambling for the only piece of property that he had, which was a coat. He, when he was dead, he was taken down and he was laid in a borrowed grave. And 19 centuries have come and gone. And today he is the central figure for much of the human race. All the armies that have marched, ever marched, and all the navies that have ever sailed, and all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of a man upon this earth as powerful as this one solitary life. That was Jesus. Historian Kenneth Scott Latterett. We had to read his books in college. Both of them, volumes one and two, they're like this thick. And they're very, very boring. But this is what Kenneth Latteret had to say. He said, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life that has ever lived on this planet. Ernest Renan said this, Jesus was the greatest religious genius that had ever lived. His beauty is eternal and his reign shall never end. Jesus in every respect, unique and nothing can compare with him. All of history is incomprehensible without Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? I don't know where we would be without Jesus Christ made it very clear who he was. I find that there is no better place in Scripture that describe him than in the Gospel of John and the I Am passages. He shares seven different I Am passages in that that Gospel. He says in chapter 6, I'm the bread of life. He says in chapters 8 and 9, he says, I am the light of the world. He says in chapter 10, I am the gate, I am the door for the sheep. In that same chapter, chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. You know, I, and, and the sheep know my voice and I know theirs. You know, he says, I am, in, in, in chapter 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. And the last passage is the one I want to talk to you about today is this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life from chapter 14. So let's turn there and look at that. Here's what it says in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. It says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. I can't wait for that day. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, he said this, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except, except, except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. On the last night of his betrayal and death, Jesus was preparing his disciples 
for the days ahead. For over three years, these men had been following Jesus and learning from him, from his teachings and his example. You know, they had placed their hopes in him as the Messiah, the promised deliverer, yet they still didn't understand how he was going to accomplish that deliverance. They didn't understand. So after the Last Supper, Jesus began speaking about his departure, which led the to the questions from the disciples. In John chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus says, he says, my children, he says, I will be with you only a little bit longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I will tell you where I'm going, you cannot come. This prompted Peter to ask the question on down in verse 36. You know, where, where he goes there, he says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter and the others, they didn't understand that Jesus was speaking of his death and his ascension into heaven. Jesus was, his response was, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you're going to. Eventually you're going to come. Peter was still misunderstanding and declared that he would follow Jesus anywhere and would lay down his life if necessary. And as Jesus patiently continued to teach his disciples, he began speaking more plainly about heaven, describing the place where he was going to be and to prepare for them. And he says this, he says in, in John chapter 14, verses two and three or two through four there, he says, he says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and take you to where I am so that you may be where I am. That's what he tells them. And, and Jesus says, you, you know the way to where I'm going. And it says, he, he tells that in verse four there, you know the way. But they were kind of thick headed like me sometimes. Speaking for the others, Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? How, how do we know how to follow you? And it was in answer to this question that Jesus utters one of the seven famous I am passages, I am statements, when he says to Thomas and the others, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When he uses that statement, I am, in the Greek language, I am is a very intense way of referring to oneself. It would be comparable to saying, I myself and only I am. You get, you following that? Several other times in the gospel, we find Jesus using these words in Matthew chapter 22, verse 32, which is a quote from Exodus 3, 6 where God uses the same intensive form to say, he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. That's what he says. In John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And let me tell you something, folks. That did not go over well. The Jews clearly understood 
what Jesus was saying there. They clearly understood that Jesus was calling himself God and they took up stones to stone him for committing blasphemy and equating himself with God. That's how angry they were. They knew what he was saying. In Matthew 28, 20, as Jesus gave the great commission, he gave it with emphasizing this. He says, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I am with you always to the very end. When the soldiers came seeking Jesus in the garden the night before his crucifixion, he told them, I am he. He says, I am he. And his words were so powerful that in John chapter 18, verses 4 through 6, the soldiers fell to the ground. As it says there, they, they fell to the ground. These words reflect the very name of God in Hebrew, which is Yahweh, which means to be or the self-existing one. That's what Yahweh means, to be or the self-existing one. It's the, it's the name of power. It's the name of authority. And Jesus claimed it as his own name. So he says, I am, and then he uses this next statement here, says the way. Jesus used the definite article to distinguish himself there. What's the definite article there? In the English language, what is the definite article? The word the, the. Jesus used the definite article to distinguish himself as the only way, the way. You know, a way is a path or a route, and the disciples had expressed their confusion about where he was going and how they they could follow him. And, and as he had told them from from the very beginning, Jesus was again telling them and us, Follow me. There is no other path to heaven. Absolutely no other path to heaven. There is no other way to the Father. Peter reiterated this same truth years later to the rulers of Jerusalem. Remember what he said in in Acts chapter 4 verse 12? He says, salvation. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved except for the name of Jesus. The the exclusive nature of the only path to salvation is expressed in the words, I am the way. I am the only way, only Jesus. Third, we see I am the way, and then he says, I am the truth. Jesus again used the the definite article, the word the, to emphasize himself as the only truth. The only truth. Psalm 119 verse 142 says, your law is truth. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminded his listeners of several points of the law. Then he said, but I say unto you. He kept saying that. He said that in verse 22 Matthew 5, 22, 28, 32, 34, 39, 44. He says, but I say to you, thereby equating himself with the law of God as the authoritative standard of righteousness. In fact, Jesus said that he came to fulfill the law and prophets. Remember, he didn't come to abolish them. It says in Matthew chapter 5, 
verse 17, he didn't come to abolish the law and prophets. He came to fulfill them. That's what he came to do. Jesus, as in the incarnate word of God in John 1.1, is the source of all truth. In, in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, he says this, he says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus is the only truth. Only Jesus. And the last one there was the life. I am the way, the truth, the life. Again, he uses the definite article as the only life. Jesus had just been telling his disciples about his impending death. And now he was claiming to be the source of all life. He's going to, he's talking about his death and then he's, then he claims that he's the only life. You know, in John chapter 10 verses 17 and 18, Jesus declared that he was laying down his life for his sheep. Notice what it says there. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. Wow. Jesus declared that he was going to lay down his life for his sheep and then take it back up again. You know, he spoke of his authority over, over life and death as being granted to him by the father. In John 14, 19, he, he gave the promise that because I live, because I live, notice at the bottom there, because I live, you also will live. Folks, if there's anyone on this planet that should be just absolutely excited, it's us. Because Jesus lives, we too are going to live for eternity. We might not like what's going on in this planet. We're just talking about that today. Paul and I were just, we might not like what's going on in the United States. We might not like what's going on in the world. We might not like what's going on around us. But the fact of the matter is, we know who's still in charge. We know who has this in his hands. And we need to trust him. Only Jesus, absolutely only Jesus, the deliverance he was about to provide was not a political or a social deliverance which most of the Jews were seeking, but a true deliverance from a life of the bondage of sin and death to a life of freedom in eternity. And I love what the Apostle John had to say when he said in 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, he says, and this is the testimony, folks. This is it. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Wow. Jesus is the source of true life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only Jesus. Only Him. In these words, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus was declaring himself as the great I am, the only path to heaven, the only true measure of righteousness, 
the source of both physical and spiritual death. He, he was staking his claim as the very God of creation. The, the Lord who, who blessed Abraham, the Holy One who inhabits eternity. Jesus was making his stake, his claim to that. That's what he was doing. He did this for a reason. I believe he did it so that the disciples would be able to face the dark days ahead without him and to carry on the mission of declaring the gospel to the world. Of course, we know from Scripture that they still didn't quite understand, but eventually they would get it. They would get it. And isn't that the same way it is today? You hear all these celebrities talk about the different ways to heaven through different people and and, and different avenues. You know, the one that stands out in my mind was Oprah Winfrey when she had a a show about that and talking about is is Jesus really the only way or are there multiple ways to heaven? And and I don't know how many times I've heard people say say this statement, is Jesus really the only way? A lot of people have said that. It's, it's interesting that, that you can talk about God all you want to, but when you talk about Jesus, well, it changes things. Is, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Yes. Okay, I heard one. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Yes. Thank you. You're right. Yes, he is the only way. You know, such an exclusive statement may confuse or surprise or anger or even offend. It might just do all those things. But it is true nonetheless. God said it. The Bible teaches it. That settles it whether we believe it or not. We'll only fool ourselves if we, if we try to make something else up. We just looked at John 14, 6, you know, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is not a way, guys. Jesus is not a way as one and many. He is the way as the one and only. Amen? Amen. That's right. Jesus is the only way to heaven for several reasons, and I'm going to Go right through these quickly. So hang on. Hang on to your seats, man, because we're going to go through them quickly. I have eight reasons why I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Number one is this. Jesus was chosen by God to be the Savior. 1 Peter 2.4 says, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. So Jesus was chosen by God to be Savior. Number two. Jesus is the only one to have come down from heaven and returned there. John chapter 3 verse 13 says, No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Number three, he is the only person to have lived a perfect human life. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Number four, he says, he is the only sacrifice for sin. First John 2, 2 says, 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Number five, he alone fulfilled the law and the prophets, as Matthew 5, 17. We already talked about that. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them, he said. Number six, he is the only man to have ever conquered death forever. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And then Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we talked about this last week, and maybe even the week before, in 55 through 57, he says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He says, The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The seventh reason is that he is the only mediator between God and man. First Timothy, Paul says this in First Timothy 2.5, he says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, men, and that is the man Christ Jesus. And then number eight, he is the only one whom God has exalted to the highest place. Paul says in Philippians 2.9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's eight good reasons why Jesus is the only way. Jesus spoke of himself as the only way to heaven. In other places, like besides John 14, 6, if you go back and you look at all the I am passages, he talks about it. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the true vine. Eternal life in heaven is made possible only through Jesus. If you get one thing right in this whole world, make it that relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one who can save you. If you get one thing right, if you get everything else wrong, but you get that one thing right, it's Jesus that's going to save you. Get that right. Get that right. Eternal life in heaven is made possible only through Jesus. John, or Jesus prayed this in John 17, 3. He said, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom, they have, whom you have sent. You know, at, at one point in Jesus' ministry, which is really sad to me, many of the crowd were turning their backs on him and leaving in hopes of finding another Savior. You know, Jesus asked the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Do you want to follow the crowd? Do you want to go away as well? But it was Peter who got it right. Peter spoke up, and and what Peter said is exactly right. Peter said from John chapter 6, verse 69, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. 
may we all share Peter's faith that eternal life resides only in Jesus. Amen? That's a lot. That's a lot to talk about. So how do we follow him today? How do we do that? I think it's pretty clear. We do it the same way the disciples did not long ago. You know, they they heard the words of Jesus and they believed them. They, They took his words and they obeyed them. They confessed their sins to Jesus as their Lord and their God. They believed that he died to take the punishment of their sins and rose from the dead to give them new life. They, they followed his example and, and, and command to tell others the truth about sin and righteousness and judgment. You know, for, for them it was, and for us, it should be all about Jesus. Only Jesus. Remember the questions I asked you from the very beginning of this as we close out this morning? Do you remember the question I asked, the two questions? The one was this. What does it mean to leave a legacy? What does it mean to leave a legacy? The second question was, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered? I want to leave you with this thought here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we read this earlier, but I'm going to add another verse to that. Verses 10 and 11, it says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to think about the legacy that you leave in a different way. It's what Casting Crown says in Only Jesus. The statement is, I don't want to leave a legacy. I don't care if they remember me. Only Jesus. Let every second point to him. Only Jesus. You want to leave a legacy that matters? Then live a life of purpose? Live in such a way that when people remember you, they remember Jesus and how he changed you and how he changed the world through you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, leave gobs and gobs of glitter. I mean, better yet, leave gobs and gobs of the love of Jesus everywhere. Only Jesus. Remember that. Only Jesus.